1: We repel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
0: Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings?
1: Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.
2: Brendan Escott sitting in for Bob Stoffer today on Oilers Now. Some guests on Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Ruth's Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers Now sent you. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline once more. This time, though, bringing aboard Mark Spector. It's every Tuesday for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta and the 7,000 men and women employed in Alberta's horse racing industry. spec. how you doing today? Oh, pretty good, Brendan. What's going on down there? Oh, we're just uh, negotiating through another show, kind of an impromptu one. To be honest, I wasn't even sure I was hosting this until yesterday, so here we go anyway. Uh, we well, seven- got a player transaction anyhow today, so that's always yeah. good. What do we know about Colby Cave? What do we know about him? I, I did a little bit of background search. I had heard the name before. And uh, we know that he played in Swift Current. He actually was uh, a teammate of Jake DeBrusk in Swift Current, captain that team. Uh, and we know he can produce in the minors. Can he produce in the big leagues? What do you think? Well, I've been trying to phone
0: around a little bit, find out. One guy tells me uh, I got a bit of a trap line of people who watch Eastern players a little more and minor league guys. Uh, one contact says, "Yeah, he can play." A huge set of. Um, something and relentless skater solid bottom six guy uh is what i'm hearing i'm also uh, basically the uh how would i say the consensus seems to be greedy smart hardworking kid depth guy skating seems to be the only question mark for this player uh he plays with a lot of courage he uh is a leader as he was a captain of his junior team uh, everyone likes everything about his game. The only issue could be uh, his foot speed a little bit, and that would be the reason that uh, he'd be a bottom
2: six guy. So what makes him, then, any different than somebody like Cooper Marody, who can think the game incredibly, you know, produces in the minors, but foot speed's a question? Well, that's
0: an excellent question. Uh, you know, until I frankly saw Colby Cave play a little more, I wouldn't know. Uh, that is certainly the issue with Marodi. I think Marodi's skating is uh, is definitely the thing that will that he's got to overcome here. Uh, he is not an NHL skater, in my opinion, and, and by all accounts, he's a he's a he's got a lot of NHL elements to his game. But you got to be able to skate. So uh, if Colby Cave is no better skater than than uh, than Marody, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to assume he's a better skater than Marodi.
2: Some tweets flying around after that transaction took place saying that the number one beneficiary in that, if Cave can consistently crack the lineup, is going to be J.J. Kara because that allows him to go back to the wing where uh, some people think he's a lot more effective. So what do you think of that?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, the, it's been an ongoing search for the player that is uh, Jujar Kara. Uh, we all see a player in this guy, and I'm the same. I, I, I watch him play. I, I look at the physical stature, his ability to skate. Uh, he stands up for his teammates. You know, he's a he's a third-line player, but I think could be an exceptionally good one. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, for some reason, it's not always coming out of this player. What's he got this year? Four goals? Um you know, and he's just not enough of a factor in enough games. He's like so much of Edmonton's bottom six has been this year. He goes out, takes a shift, kills some penalties, comes off at the end of the night, he's, you know, even or minus one, and really hasn't contributed enough to help you win a hockey game. So if moving Kara to back to the wing is what it takes, then let's get him back to the wing because, uh, frankly, I'll be honest, I expected this to be a bit of a breakout year for Cara. I thought he'd show us more. And he hasn't shown us any more, and even perhaps less than he did last
2: season. Yeah, I thought so too. He's one of the guys that I, I'm sure management was looking at as even if it's just 10 to 15 goals, if if let have them. Then you're gold, if that's the yep. case. Give me the 15, man. I mean, what did he score last year? Didn't he score... 14 last year I or something? He was up there, yeah. He was in that range.
0: So, so yeah. okay. like, that's the issue with the Oilers right now, and with their depth scoring. I wrote this yesterday. There's a bunch of guys that I don't expect 20 goals from. I'm talking about a bunch of 10 to 15 goal players like Kara, like Cassian, like um, Reeder, right? Like Brodziak. Uh, that's four guys. Give me someone else. A, a guy like Spooner's got to be worth 10 or 12 or 14 goals to you. All of those guys are on pace for, like, six. You know, Lucic, you'd like 15 out of Lucic in a year. So that's what's killing the Oilers here. And we saw last night the difference when a couple of the deeper guys in the lineup pop a few goals, you win for fun. So that's what's killing the Oilers. It's
2: not one depth guy not producing. It's the entire group of depth You've been covering the team and the league a long time, Mark, and I'm curious if you've ever seen a circumstance where you have basically, you know, an entire set of six to eight guys that are all having down years at the exact same time on the exact same team. Yeah, and that's you know that that hurts, right? You can't survive. Um, You know,
0: you can't every every year you go into Brendan. We all we all know this. You you have. Hopefully you get a couple surprise players that give you more than you thought. You can count on having a couple guys that give you less than you thought. And then you got your consistent producers who we we will say, you know, hopefully you have enough guys that if they all do their consistent job, you're going to get enough goals to win enough games to make playoffs. Uh, the Oilers don't have enough of those consistent guys at this point in their time. And they're waiting for a breakout year from Jujara Kara. They're waiting for a breakout year for Jesse Pugliarvi, right? They're waiting for hoping that Kyler Yamamoto would have been a factor, a bigger factor this year. Uh, They are hoping that Matt Benning would take a bit of a step this year. And all of those guys that you're hoping to over, you know, produce a little bit, frankly, have not this year. And, and, unfortunately, there's been some guys, you know, we just talked about the depth players who have underproduced, and that's why you are where you are. They're in a spot. You know, they're, they're fighting for playoff spot. They're a legit playoff contender here. But just think that if all the things that you hope would have gone right, if 80% of them would have, they'd probably be about six points into the playoffs by now.
2: Mark Spector on Oilers Now. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer. 7-2 last night. The Oilers were badly outshot, Mark, to the tune of 43-25. to 25. Uh, Koskinen, he didn't necessarily need to keep them in that game. Obviously, when you hang a touchdown on a team, I don't think you're in any danger of losing. However, uh, you're conceding a lot of shots in that regard. What did you What did you make of the game last night? There was a lot of positives to take, but still some of the same old problems.
0: Well, I didn't, yeah, it's hard to know when you're, you know, it was a goofy game, they got a big lead and a bunch of shots come. I'm not too big, I'm not too worried about the actual number of shots. I thought Koskinen, you know what, for the first goal that went in looked kind of goofy. It was a deflection goal, so I hate to blame a goalie, but it was from such a bad angle that, frankly, you kind of thought there shouldn't be any kind of hole, deflection or not. Uh, but he fought back, only let in one more all night, so that is good. Um their defensive zone work, their 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 work on their side of center ice is still uh, not great. You know, there's still a lot of uh, zone exits that take a second and third try. And that happens every team. You know, not every zone exit is a perfect uh, soliloquy of beauty. <laughs> but consistently last night we saw the Oilers have to, you know, give a puck up and get it back, give a puck up and get it back before it got out. And, and the good teams will shove that down your throat. We know that. So... You know, take the win, man. Like, I think fans out there have to say we've, we've watched the orders be on the other end of those games where maybe they got the bad goaltending or maybe they gave up some pucks the way Scandella was giving them up last night. So you know, what goes around comes around. They got some breaks. They played a team that didn't, frankly didn't play very well, and the orders got a, some guys step up and bury some pucks. So enjoy it and try to build off of it.
2: Some text coming in uh, right now, Mark. That so this comes out of Grand Prairie. It says Boston and Colorado have about seven to eight players not producing as well, but nobody gives them hell over it. Colorado is they're a very similar team in my opinion because of they just they rely so much on that top line, and you've sort of seen what happens. Uh, yep. You know when when that stops producing, and yet they're still in wild card position. So did they just benefit from the fact that they rode that hot streak a little longer than everybody else did? Uh, I guess that's true what are they are they not three points up on Edmonton that's right they're three points up on four teams hunting for that second wild card spot right
0: and and you know they, they're they clearly uh, not only are they a one man line team but they've had exceptionally inconsistent goaltending Varlamov is not uh, you know Varlamov is no is not a better goalie than Kamtel but I wouldn't say that I'm not sure Talbot's a ton better than him right now either but um, you know they're not, unless Varlamov's game improves a great deal, that big line might might pull them into the playoffs, but that kind of goaltending, you can't win with it. And those depths, you know, I think we know every, I and neat talked with Alex Chaston last night after the game about how, and I asked him about Cassian scoring and Lucci scoring, and it was a really cool quote he gave me. He said, you know, I played in the championship team last year in Washington, and he said, our best players, were our best players throughout the playoffs, but he said our depth guys won us everything. So, you know, when you're Colorado, you better find some depth guys, man, because that big line, uh, you can't ride it one line through the playoffs. It just doesn't work that way in the NHL
2: right and I I agree with that and I think that if the Oilers do manage to squeak in that's it's going to be exposed as it has by San Jose a couple times this year and and that sort of thing Uh, it's uh, Mark Spector joining Brendan Escott here on Oilers now the Canucks coming up again a couple of 4-2 losses earlier in this season uh, to the Canucks Mark and I was talking to Bob before you joined and he he was talking about how McDavid was officiated how the Canucks played McDavid Uh, what are your thoughts on that situation and do you forecast any kind of a change uh, tomorrow night in, in the way that it's officiated? Yeah, the uh, well, I, I'm not... The officials are the officials. They're, I'm not predicting what they're going to do or
0: that they're going to change or any of that. Uh, but the, the Vancouver Canucks are very confident in their ability to play against Conor McDavid, right? Whatever Travis Green is doing, it's worked. You know, it's worked. So so I think that it's incumbent upon the rest of the Edmonton Oilers who aren't named Conor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl. To walk into Vancouver and force the Vancouver Canucks to change their game plan, right? I think you need to force the Vancouver Canucks to say, "Oh dear, there's some other people on this team we better pay a little closer attention to." Uh, the Canucks aren't a particularly deep team by any means. Their defense is not fabulously strong by any stretch of the imagination, and if they find a way to to harbor. Uh, you know, to, to kind of hold back Connor McDavid and survive the Connor McDavid onslaught, and they have found that way. The rest of the team has to pick up Connor McDavid here and and, and make Travis Green say, "Maybe I better put my best pair out against someone else for a couple shifts." So, uh, I'm not blaming Connor McDavid for losses to, to um, Vancouver. I think it's time he needs a little help against that team because whatever they're doing, man, you got to admit it. You know, they got him figured out a little bit the last
2: few games. Could Travis Green ultimately be the most underrated coach in the league right now? I would suggest that he could. Well, is there a more surprising team in the
0: league? Like, I didn't think Calgary be this good, but I thought they'd be good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Colorado's cooled off. Uh, I'm thinking about teams ODs. Buffalo was really good there for a while. Now I think we're seeing that they're cooling off a little, but. I don't. I think that didn't the season start with Vancouver in the lose for Hughes sweepstakes? Brendan, <laughs> that's
2: what I <laughs> now thought. Now <laughs> they're
0: you know now they're tied with Everton right now, and they're a legitimate playoff contender. I, I'll tell you what, the Travis Green's doing a hell of a job out there.
2: So is Jim Benning. I
0: kind of like what they're building in Vancouver.
2: What about? Elias Peterson makes him so special. It's been showcased a couple times against the Oilers. When he's on the ice, when he's playing for the Canucks, he is, in fact, the straw that stirs the drink is how I would look at it.
0: Yeah, he has, he has for that Vancouver roster, he, he gives them the same things that Connor McDavid gives the Edmonton roster, and that is the belief, right, that this guy, as long as we have this guy and he's going, we could win any game, any time, any night. You know, I'm not saying he's as good as Conor McDavid because he's not. But he's a very, very special player. And, you know, we've always said this. The players know who the best players are. You know, it's not the media, the GMs. The players, they're the guys. They know who's got what and who is superior and who is inferior. And you can't fool them for very long. And when you've got Elias Peterson on your bench or you've got Conor McDavid on your bench, it, it gives you something. Right, that other teams don't get, and, and Pedersen's given that to his team, and they're following him, and, and he is delivering by, you know, he is producing at an elite level, and those, right now they've got support behind them, and that's where they are. It, we keep coming back to the Oilers support group. Uh, you know, if they could support Connor McDavid to that degree, I think, again, you'd be six or seven points on the good side of the playoff cutoff line.
2: Twelve forty-eight in Edmonton. Great stuff as always from uh, from Mark Spector. We're going to press pause here. We'll come back and talk about uh, how they may bolster some of that uh, some of that roster's depth on the Oilers' wing. We saw one move
1: made. To-
2: Today, maybe more, uh, maybe more around the corner. It's uh, Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. This
0: is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio. 6:30, Chad.
2: 12:51. In Edmonton, it's Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer today, joined on the line by Mark Spector for the Horses. Horse Racing Alberta, you can watch for the opening of the new Century Mile racetrack coming this spring. Uh, so, Mark, we've talked a lot about what the Oilers are lacking. As somebody who follows this team very closely, where where are they going to be able to fill in the gaps here in the next, uh, I guess, six weeks before the trade deadline? Well, this is the issue, right? This is, uh, I think, why we see the
0: orders having made a ton of um, low-price acquisitions this year. Like today, Colby Decay off of um, the waiver wire. It doesn't cost you anything except for, I forget what the price was, but it's like $28,000 or something. Uh, you know, Chris Weidman came here as a six. Didn't work out. Um, you know, they picked up Zikov off of waivers. Well, it didn't work out. I think the reason we see that is they're, they're clearly in a in a difficult cap situation, and their assets on their on their roster are, uh, you know, it's a tough group. the 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 guys that are worth something you like, <laughs> and the guys that the guys that you don't like so much aren't worth that much out in the market. So I think we're down to uh, as Elliot Friedman was reporting yesterday, we're we're really down in terms of impactful acquisitions. And what you can give up, there's sort of two things here. There's a high draft pick, and there's yesa Pogliarvi. And, you know, maybe we segue to that. Is yesa Pogliarvi a, via, are you trading a prospect, or are you trading a, creating a project? I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But there's no doubt that, that, you know, GM Peter Shirelli is running out of assets that can bring back the right winger Edmonton truly needs here, uh, unless you start digging into next year's draft class, and you never like to do that.
2: No, and I think that that's one thing that they've they've done well over the past, I want to say probably two or three drafts, is really round out the farm system. And the last thing that Oilers fans want to hear, Mark, of course, is just wait because help is on the way. And you hear Bob yep. say it all the time. But I genuinely believe that they've got some pieces here coming up. So do you really want to ship out a, a potentially another piece of that puzzle or even two if you talk about having to move uh, – RV and and a first rounder; those are ultimately pieces that could factor in at a time where the Oilers may actually be a lot deeper than they are now.
0: Yeah, Brandon. I I'll tell you what; you'd have to. Uh, I would take a serious amount of convincing to tell to to agree that moving a first round pick is a good idea. Uh, this is not an Oilers team that that you know. I I get it. It's a big-money business, and Daryl Cates wants to make the playoffs because he spends a lot of money on his team, and he's the owner, and it's his right. Uh, You know, he's the boss, man. But this isn't a team that is one or two acquisitions away from making a serious cup run. And in today's world, you know, a first-round pick, Brandon, is worth so much more than it used to be. Uh, Today's first-rounder is so much more ready, and and the, the, uh, you know, the class, the depth, of the field of good players in the first round it used to sort of be if you got a top 10 pick you might get a really good guy and after that it's a bit of crapshoot well now i mean there's there's 30 guys out there that are going to be good good players for a long long time inexpensive players in the cap system like i just trading a first-round pick now there's a reason why they're so seldom do they move uh... and this in this particular situation You know, you trade Paulyarvi, at least you're saying, look, we've investigated the player, we've decided that he's not going to be a player, and you may be wrong, but at least you've got that intelligence on the player, and you've had him around your system for a while, and and that's a decision you're making, but you trade a first-round pick, and, you know, you might be trading a top-ten pick, and you can't tell me you know the player you're giving up in that transaction.
2: When I look at the track record of what Peter Chiarelli has done here, um... You can't possibly, you can't possibly lose almost every single trade without just getting a little unlucky, you know, and and again, that's that's just the way that I see it is there's no way he possibly could have traded away all of the depth and not had anything, uh, like really anything come out of it in return. But to the fact that that has happened, do you think that maybe Chia is a little bit gun shy to make that blockbuster move or do you think that he's still willing to play ball?
0: Well, the question becomes, uh, is, is, you know, I think that, uh, and to Pete's credit, he's lost some big trades, but he keeps stepping up to the plate. And uh, frankly, I'm the kind of guy that takes my hat off to that. Like, he hasn't shied away. He does make the big trade, even though there's been a couple that haven't gone well for him. Uh, but to me, the, the operative question here is, the, the real important question is, has his superiors at the Edmonton Orders lost confidence in his ability to make a big trade. You know, what is the leash on Pete Shirelli? This is the conversation going on around hockey right now. Everyone's everyone's having it. I had it at the game last night. Uh, is Peter Shirelli f- free to make any trade that he wants, or is he now, after how things have gone here, and the fear that he's going to make, you know, the possibility exists that he may make a trade that is detrimental to the Oilers future, future, but good for his future, uh, you know, does he have to run everything by Bob Nicholson now? And that, I, I, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, Brandon, but to me it's not about Peter Shirelli's confidence in his trading ability. It's about his superior's confidence in his trading ability.
2: A couple minutes here before the news break, one minute in fact, but a text just came across the text line. I saw this earlier today as well, so I'll paraphrase this because it's quite long, but essentially there was something on a, T, a TSN that the tsn twitter account that was circulating the internet saying something along the lines of talbot and pull for simmons yeah. was a done deal so fair to assume that you saw that and that looked like kind of a crock to me
0: well first of all it was a crock it was a, it was a manipulated screen grab right. of that somebody put together on the internet so it it wasn't tsn so immediately it, it it's entire genesis was from someone trying to trick everyone so let's go there uh, I don't see a, a trade where you, you know, the owners are, are trying to make the playoffs. You don't trade Cam Talbot and not get a goalie back. A, you don't. I, I would be very surprised to see them trade Yestickoliarvy for a, a pending UFA. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're trading a, a young player for a guy you might have for two months. So I thought the trade was stupid, and, and frankly, I wouldn't have fallen for it had I seen it when it went around because it just has too many holes in it for
2: me. There you go. So that's uh, that was one thing that's easy. The rumor mill churns and churns and churns at the best of times, and so I'm glad we can set the record straight there. 1258 in Edmonton, we're going to step aside here, Mark, for a global news weather traffic update with Cassandra Jodwen. We can keep going on this topic, and uh, feel free to text in 630-630. If there's anybody uh, maybe that you'd like to see the Oilers acquire, would have you, fire that across the text line. Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now.